Man, we gotta start using Apple Cash. Okay, why? It's so easy and convenient. Apple Cash lives in messages. All right. So I can pay you in the convos we're already having. Not forget a payment or have money sitting somewhere just collecting dust. Oh, that is nice. And then you can use that cash right away and buy stuff like at a store with Apple Pay. I don't have to do all that bank transfer stuff. Nope. It's just right there. Easy, convenient, and secure. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? See how easy that was? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by Kim Crawford Wines. Kim Crawford invites you to savor amazing with a chilled glass of New Zealand's finest. Named in the Wine Spectator Top 100 list four times. Every sip of Kim Crawford Sauvignon Blanc is filled with tropical fruit flavors like passion fruit and citrus to help you experience golden hour how you see fit. Visit KimCrawfordWines.com to learn more and find Kim Crawford Wine near you. Savor amazing. For those 21 and over, please savor responsibly. Constellation Imports, Rutherford, California. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, production of iHeartRadio. All right. Okay, guys, it's happened. It finally happened after years of talking about it and even her <laughs> buying me the actual DVD. Yeah. We finally watched Heather's. And uh, we yes. thought it would be, be kind of fun because there are several moments where Annie and I have the, have you seen this? You haven't seen this? Oh my yes. God, I can't believe you haven't seen this yeah. moments. So mm-hmm. we thought we would come back and revisit some of those that we've talked about because I know several of you have written and asked, wait, I cannot believe Annie has not seen Heather's. And I was like, I'm in agreement. We need to have this discussion. Yes. And finally made it happen. So we wanted to have a whole discussion about how I failed all this time. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, But no, just kind of wanted to talk about and revisit the classic Heather's. And I'm not going to lie, I was a little scared because I didn't know how it would hold up because it's been years since we've seen it. And it was uh, made or released in 1989. So before a lot of our listeners were even born, could even right. understand what's happening with this movie in general. So, um, Annie, what did you think about the movie? I really liked it. It is not what I expected at all. I will tell you that. What did you expect? Um, it was darker than I thought it was going to be, which seems to be the overarching reaction to it, even when it comes to making it, which we're going to talk about a little bit. But yeah, I was not expecting that level of darkness. I did really um, enjoy it. And I loved how stylized it was, like with the color scheme to really drive home. This is like a satire. Mm -hmm. Um, Christian Slater really freaked me out. I kept thinking he was like (laughs) Jack Nicholson and Jack Nicholson really freaks me out. Um, (laughs) That's fair. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. But no, I I did enjoy it. And I thought it was pretty funny, but also like pretty, pretty messed up, pretty dark. Right. So I didn't realize when we were talking about this movie, as well as my other pick on The Witches, that I have pretty much dated myself really hardcore because the past year was the 30th year anniversary for that movie. Yeah. So within mm-hmm. the last couple of years, I'm like, well, I'm bringing you some really outdated movies and I apologize. <laughs> well, it's still, it seems to have like a cult following. And I, I was reading articles because, you know, when the 30th anniversary of something that has a cult following comes out, there's right. a lot of events. And I was reading a bunch of articles that said the audience was generally like young people. Uh, younger yeah. people. So it's still resonating, um, yeah. clearly. And for people who aren't aware, can you do like a very quick plot summary? Right. I can. So essentially, um, just a little FYI, not that this is really triggering, triggering, but we do talk about suicide uh, within the yeah. sexual assault within this movie as well because it it plays on several 80s tropes, especially in high school era. So think yeah. about all of the cool movies that had the valley girl in like idea as well as the hierarchy within school so the jock versus the nerd versus you yeah. know the ugly people which is unfortunate because that's not a thing that should like i say ugly yeah. people is just they put ugly people as in they don't fit the perfect iconic idea of oh yeah like traditional the cute girl or a cute guy or whatever so mm-hmm. therefore you're just in that group um but yeah, so essentially it starts out with Veronica, who is a very rich girl that ends up hanging out with a group of other very popular girls, all named Heather. Yeah. Um, and by the way, each of them are assigned a color, and you see yeah. that throughout the movie, as well mm-hmm. as the fact that this scrunchy thing has this, it's like the crown for whoever mm. the most popular or the leader girl oh, is, yeah, yeah, is throughout yeah, yeah. the movie. Mm-hmm. Which I've always thought was like, so 80s. This is so perfect. <laughs> I love it. Um, but you see Veronica, who you, is this really kind girl who plays the lead. She is the anti-heroine, essentially, in this, I think. She's a heroine, but not, because you see the back and forth of her trying to be cool, but not cool. Um, yeah. As well as the fact that she actually can imitate anybody's handwriting. So she is mm-hmm. uh, well-liked and is used for that ability by everyone, actually. Mm-hmm. Everyone throughout the whole thing. And it opens up with the scene with her being buried into the ground. And I don't know, I've always been confused. It's like, is that literal or is that supposed to say <laughs> something? Uh-huh. Because they are playing um, croquet. Is that the game? Yeah, croquet. They're playing croquet, which is already kind of bougie in itself. Yeah. And she is somehow one of the markers in the game. Mm-hmm. And then it, she kind of like, I guess, has to come up into the hierarchy of popularity and then <laughs> goes to the point of being an anarchist and say, I don't want this anymore type of thing. So essentially, you follow this whole thing with this group and slowly, one by one by one, people start dying, people, the really popular kids. And of course, this is where... Jack Nicholson, a.k.a. Christian Slater, comes in yeah. as the... Is he the antagonist? Because he also yeah. kind of is like the, the bad boy hero look as well. Uh, I mean, his name is J.D., which I assumed was like James Dean. Uh, probably. Uh, so he's the yeah. rebel, but he's a, an actual rebel. And I think all of yeah. this is also kind of making fun of the... Uh, and I told Annie about this, and she didn't know what I was talking about, the Rat Pack movies. Not yeah. the Rat Pack. The Brat Pack movies. And the mm-hmm. Rat Pack made of like Molly Ringwald, Emilio Estevez, all of them. And mm-hmm. they used to have all like John Hughes films. So this mm-hmm. kind of made fun of that trope as well. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. It stood out in comparison to the upbeat teenage movies of the time. (laughs) Or at least happy ending teenage movies of the time, because all of them is some kind of teenage angst. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. In all of them. But this one is a lot darker, uh, a lot more cursing, a lot more violence. Yeah. Uh, And yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, essentially, it's like a satire look of like cliques and teenage power in high school. And Veronica and JD accidentally kill this first Heather, and then it be they I don't frame think it's accidental. It. Well, JD want, wanted J, to kill. JD did, yeah, yes. I think that's fair. Well, anyway, it wasn't necessarily what Veronica was into, but um, then they frame it as suicide. And so that is something, when we say it's dark, like that was one of the things where I was like, wow. Uh, because I, I know, like if you even touch on that subject, and rightfully so, Today on like a teenage program, there's like that government message at the end with like with the phone line, and this whole movie like suicide comes up a lot because they consistently frame it as suicide. And there's even like in the papers reporting on like it's the trend. Um, yeah, school bombing is involved. I was not expecting that. Right. Um, so it's pretty serious stuff, and it also touches on like eating disorders, fat shaming, homophobia, uh, self harming, uh, and sexual. Assault. And apparently, it was almost much darker because the original ending uh, had Veronica more involved. Going throughout this, she she has this like teenage, I don't know if I would call it love, but she's with JD and he's growing progressively more violent. At first, she's growing along with it, but then she kind of is like, no, this is bad, this is wrong. The original ending had Veronica much more involved in all of it, and the school did get blown up, and the students went to prom in heaven. <laughs> Can you imagine right. going to see that movie? Right. Um, it was supposed to be like if Stanley Kubrick made a teen movie. Uh, that's what the whole goal was, was to write the script and get Stanley Kubrick to make it. Uh, but it did change a lot, largely based on what Winona Ryder brought to the role. And also a lot of pushback from studios. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Writer's agent begged her not to do it. Uh, she was 15 at the time. A lot of actors whose names I recognized, their parents would not let them be in this movie. Right. Yeah. yeah. It was, I mean, it definitely became a trendsetter for these ironic, I guess, mm-hmm. scathing converse, conversations or commentary on high schools and you know, what it's yeah. supposed to be and what shouldn't be and how good it was and how really it wasn't that great kind of conversation. Because, yeah. you know, later on you had Jawbreakers, which was a very much mm-hmm. kind of an adaptation to that as well in a different way, which had um, Rose McGowan in it mm-hmm. as well, kind of playing almost, well, I think she was the one that was, no, she was the mean mean in that one. Never mind. I think, who was it? The Noxzema girl was the not mean mean. I don't remember. Never seen it. <laughs> this one I'm okay with you not seeing. Okay. It's been a long time that I've seen that. But it's, it's also got a cult following too, Jawbreakers yeah. in itself. But it does have that conversation of what is this expectation? And Winona Ryder was a, a darling, an 80s darling, not because she was adorable, but because she was so sassy and frank and just sardonic to the core. So that kind yeah. of followed her around. And she this was the beginning for her. Mm-hmm. Not the beginning, but part of the beginning for her and establishing her as this character. It was a great role, and she did a fantastic job in it. So good. Yeah, um, but I think that was the big shocker for me. um, Because a lot of what I would, you know, think of teen movies wouldn't 
either wouldn't touch on these subjects or they wouldn't do it in the way that this movie did. No. And I was reading articles, all these articles that were written for the 30th anniversary, and um, people were saying it would not get made today. Um, it couldn't be, I don't think. No, because this was before Columbine. Right. Um, and that's the big thing they say is like school violence um, on that level. It wouldn't get made. Uh, many have said it predicted all kinds of things. Um, so it, it was interesting to watch it from like modern eyes and being astounded that it got made. And I think because of that, like when any of the like self harm came up, or there's like a sexual assault kind of happening in the background of one right. scene, and I was just continuously, uh, how did this get made? <laughs> yeah, it definitely. Made. So this is definitely during the time of the era when violence was being blamed on what you see. So yeah, like, yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. commentary of like, these video games are violent and it's teaching our mm-hmm. kids these things. And they, I mean, and it's kind of like talking about how it desensitized teenagers. And so this mm-hmm. is what it looks like when teenagers are desensitized as well as it becomes a public fawning Mm-hmm. When you see a tragedy instead of, you know, the realities yeah. of what it was. So it's this whole breakdown in commentary. And it was not subtle in any yeah. way. It was in your face, smack you in the face with it. And yes, mm-hmm. no way in hell could it be made again today. Yeah. And I would not recommend this to any teenagers, I don't think. Well, and that's interesting too, because they, so there is a musical. Um, yes. But I've heard it's much more upbeat. I'm sure. And- there was a TV show that I think is permanently canceled because it, it they put it on a hold when the Parkland shootings happened. Mm. And then I, I think that was it. They were like, well, we can't do this. Right. Um, and yeah, I did, I, I appreciated, I guess it felt really honest in the way that we see kind of these more glossy representations of high school. Right. And this one felt more honest of what it really is, even though it was a satire, it was over the top. And to see these young people really play into this power game and like having that amplified and recognizing it. Like we, right. you know, I was there, I was in high school and I, you knew these power dynamics right? and just how brutal and Damn how man. many people it, it hurts. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like, I will say again, because it is a dark comedy, like you kind of sit there and wonder, uh, which part am I supposed to laugh? Like, yeah. <laughs> there's definitely yep. those moments because it was, again, not necessarily uh, advertised as a drama or any mm-hmm. of that feel-good uh, John Hughes stuff. It definitely yeah. was, again, a smack in the face. And it was a commentary about get over yourself. This is what it is. But they did make sure, and I don't know, as you said, that the uh, ending had changed. Why not a writer's character? Veronica ended up being like, hey, man, it's not all that bad. These people don't deserve this. Get yeah. over yourself. And mm-hmm. just, I mean, even his outfit, though. Yeah, I, yeah. The first thing I thought was, oh my God, this is kind of the stereotype we see in mass shootings and uh, yeah. like yeah. actual gunmen. This uh-huh. is the wardrobe that they talk about. But yeah. it wasn't actually caught, like until like the what, late 90s, so that that actually became a thing thing. Like I didn't even yeah. realize until we watched that again. I was like, yeah. oh shoot, he is literally in an outfit that could have been dubbed as part of the uh, Columbine shooting as well. Yeah. Well, he was an angry white dude right. who didn't get what he wanted and was mad about it. Right. Um, and I do like how they played on that too because a lot of times if you took away like 
before you know he's going to blow up the school, he is played as like the cool rebel character. Yeah. But throughout this, you you see that through that, that he's just bad. Like he's yeah. not like he's violent and he hurts people. And the people he hurt, who you were originally painted as the villains, like they still did terrible things, but they right. were people. Right. And they had humanizing traits. And yeah, I I appreciated that. I liked that they flipped that. Um, I think, yeah. and again, one of these things that you couldn't make about this is because it was so over the top, yeah. obvious that it was a satire. Yeah. Like yeah. That's the only difference as where today things are taken too... Like, people t- call it a satire, but you're like, wait, are you endorsing this? Because this is not helping right. the situation. Yeah. Um, that it's too tongue-in-cheek. It's not tongue-in-cheek. It's too kitschy for today's yeah. audience. Like, they want to have that unsure of, like, maybe he is a good guy. Like, he ends yeah. up being the absolute worst guy, and you see it because he's <laughs> the stalker. That you're like, what? Yeah. But, yeah, that becomes, like, that is an appreciative thing, but you can't have that today. And I wouldn't recommend it being used today. And again, I wouldn't yeah. recommend it to people, young kids, because I'm like, oh, no. damn, that was a yeah. lot darker than I remember. And I don't understand yeah. how I was like, this is a great movie. And I still do appreciate the qualities of Winona Ryder, Christian Slater, like all of them. Shannon Doherty was in this, yeah. like all of them playing these really over the top characters. Yeah. Um, but then at the same time, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm going to put that in my lockbox. Yeah. It aged not so well, but it made its point. Yeah, and I think when people were curious as to why so many younger people have latched onto, I do think it's kind of the honesty of it. Yeah. Like, even as unfortunate as it is, that's more like the experience a lot of us had or are having than or will have. I don't want to leave anyone out. (laughs) (laughs) Then a lot of like, I hope it changes. Yeah, God. Me too. Me too. Um, Fingers crossed for that. But yeah, that's. Our thoughts on Heathers, uh, let us know if you want us to come back and do a bigger episode on it or, or if there's any other movies we should be talking about. All right. And you can send those suggestions to our email, which is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can also find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at Stuff I'm Never Told You. Thanks as always to our super producers, JJ Posway and Andrew Howard. Thanks, y'all. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I've Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This podcast is brought to you by Kim Crawford Wines. Kim Crawford invites you to savor amazing with a chilled glass of New Zealand's finest. Named in the Wine Spectator Top 100 list four times, every sip of Kim Crawford Sauvignon Blanc is filled with tropical fruit flavors like passion fruit and citrus to help you experience golden hour how you see fit. Visit KimCrawfordWines.com to learn more and find Kim Crawford Wine near you. Savor amazing. For those 21 and over, please savor responsibly. Constellation Imports, Rutherford, California. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands. 
not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. 